It's Nadia here. Welcome to a new episode of Keeping Up with the Current on Tuam FM Radio via 92.1 FM on our live streaming platform, tuamfm.org, or via our radio app on Android and iOS devices. It's great to be back with you. Lovely to have your company. Let's get into it. What's happening on the show today? On the show today, I welcome Huda Hannaway, former MasterChef Australia contestant, social worker, entrepreneur and recipe developer. She will be invited to speak about her tough medical journey and eventual diagnosis with endometriosis. And for those of you who don't know what endometriosis is, it's a uterus disorder that affects one in 10 women worldwide. And the thing is, most of them are suffering in silence. This month is Endomarch, which serves to raise awareness of this crippling health condition, inspiring women to speak out about their condition and be brave to seek treatment for it. So living with endometriosis is something that one in 10 women will have to do. It's a condition that causes chronic pain and often results in surgery as a treatment. I have the pleasure of speaking with social worker, recipe developer, entrepreneur and former MasterChef Australia contestant Huda Hanaway. She's here to talk to us about her experience with endometriosis, how she struggled to deal with the diagnosis and what helped her in terms of managing this crippling condition. And she's with us now. Huda, thank you so much for courageously speaking up about the chronic condition that you've been battling with for quite some time. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's uh, with, I guess, heartache, but as well, great pleasure to be able to have this opportunity to raise awareness about this chronic pain condition. Now, Huda, quickly, for those who don't know you, tell us briefly about yourself and where you're at now. Uh, so I was on MasterChef Australia Season 10 uh, a few years back. And um, since MasterChef, uh, basically have been in the food industry creating recipes for different companies uh, doing uh, uh, some restaurant consultations um, and also still sort of tying my social work background into the world of food and I, I volunteer some of my time to some charities and and am an ambassador for a few other charities such as Endometriosis Australia. Fantastic. Now, I'm pretty sure a lot of people know that you are tied to the food industry and you're passionate about food and cooking. But what some people don't realize, unless they follow you on social media, is that you suffered with endometriosis since the beginning of your adulthood. Now, for those who have never heard of it, what exactly does this condition mean? So endometriosis is um, basically the best way to describe it, and, and this is after much research from my end and sort of putting it in layman's terms, is that uh, it's, it's all to do with the female reproductive system. So there's the lining of the uterus, which is called the endometrium, mm-hmm. and every month that lining thickens. Now, the tissue, the endometrium actually breaks down and that's what forms a period for a woman every month. Now, endometriosis is tissue like 
I mean, they, they, they're still doing a lot of research and testing on this. So whether it's the actual tissue from the endometrium or, or similar tissue, uh, it actually grows outside of the uterus and attaches itself to different parts and different organs uh, in the body. So it acts like a suction cap as well. Mm. So what it does is like it'll, it'll, it'll suction, uh, for example, your bowel to your uterus and when the gynecologist cuts through, uh, they can see endometriosis tissue uh, and scarring tissue or, the, or what they call adhesions in there. Mm. So what tends to happen with that is similar to that of the lining of the endometrium, every month those tissue thicken uh, wherever they've attached themselves and it causes a great deal of pain and then they break down and cause internal bleeding. Wow. And, that's, um, and that in itself, again, also creates pain. So... When they talk about chronic pain condition, it's it's basically the whole cycle. You can, you can experience uh, minimal pain, or you mm. can experience like a horrendous pain throughout the whole cycle mm. uh, of your period. And yeah. obviously, each endo sufferer can have different symptoms. What would you say exactly. your main and most debilitating symptoms of endometriosis were? For me, growing up, so I was I was officially diagnosed at age nineteen, um, mm. but all throughout high school and and after that, for me it was pain and very very heavy periods. Mm. So, um, a lot of the times uh, back then, doctors. I mean, nowadays they're hearing a lot more of endometriosis and they're sort of doing a bit of research about it. But back then, it wasn't really the first point of a diagnosis mm. and so um, you know there's other things like amenorrhea which is just just means heavy periods or you know that painful periods and us growing up of course as well in a Middle Eastern uh, culture yeah uh, we, we get told often this is normal this is normal it's part of being a woman and uh, I do recall one day when I was about 18 and I said to mum this is not normal and I'm ripping tissue up from how much pain I was in. Oh and I said, I'm going back, uh, like, I'm, I'm going to a doctor because this is, this is not normal pain. Um, and, and that's when, I mean, she, she was like, okay, do what you need to do. But I was like, this cannot be normal because why do some people not get uh, pain and why do some people experience mm. a lot of pain? There's different time? levels of pain, especially when it comes to menstruation. We're told that it's quite typical to experience menstrual pain, especially with cramping, with the stomach. But different people experience pain differently and there are different levels of pain. So as you said, there is this culture that if we are experiencing debilitating pain, a lot of people tell us it's normal to feel pain during menstruation. So we're told to ignore it. But for you, when did you realize, at what moment you realized this isn't normal. Did it start off being, I mean, bearable pain and then slowly escalating or was it, bam, like straight away, extremely was, excruciating pain? It was, so my menstrual cycle started when I was 11 years old and it was, when I was 12, mm. that's when the pain hit and it hit with a vengeance. So you're saying from um, 12 to 19, you were experiencing yes, pain? I put up with it, <gasps> yes. 
and and really quite severe pain and the pain wasn't just during the the period itself it was you know during the whole cycle i would describe it as before during and after the the whole cycle so Mm. um it, it got to a point for me that that pain was so horrendous that it I was taking days off school. Uh, the the heaviness as well of the period was, you know, uh, embarrassing because mm. uh, even the good nights wouldn't help. Um, and and it's and it's such a topic that is so taboo in uh, you know Middle Eastern culture to talk about. Like we try and talk to our mums about it, but yep. even then, like. We're, we're taught like you know it's a woman's thing it's a woman's issue uh just you know just basically deal with it and that's no one's fault it's just mm. uh centuries of that's how it was traditionally um but i think now you know even me when i post about uh raising awareness on this condition mm. on my social media platforms what's uh, what's sort of refreshing to see is that I'm having a lot of Middle Eastern cultured women Mm. who are are coming forward, even if it's through a private message, and just telling me about their story or telling me that they've gone through the same thing and that, yes, more awareness needs to be raised. And, you know, while some people might not agree to, to call it for what it is, but I think the discussions need to be had because we've got generations to come Mm. of young you know, girls and women who will go through this and wouldn't it be great if there was enough research done, uh, you know, treatment, uh, like there's a range of treatment options, but at the moment there's absolutely no cure for Mm. endometriosis. That's a difficult part, yeah. And I guess with the treatment options that are available, it's a bit of a trial and error sort of thing. What might work for someone might not work for another person. And there are so many hurdles for women suffering from this condition. It's not something that is frequently discussed and it is extremely under-researched, as you said, and that poses a lot of problem, especially with women's confidence to seek treatment. Um, They end up giving up. They end up saying, okay, well, no one's listening. No one's really focusing on what this means for me and my lifestyle because it is impacting a woman's life in so many ways. For you, it started off, you know, in your teenage years and it's, as they say, the prime time. It's the time for you to flourish. But for you, there there were quite a lot of setbacks from endometriosis. You were, you know, stuck at home in bed, not always because of the pain, but because you don't have that energy to get up out of bed and to go about your day. For a quite large number of women who are diagnosed with endo, It takes them a very long time before they get a proper diagnosis. And a lot of women say that doctors, they even don't take their pain or symptoms seriously. Was it the same for you? Did it take you a long time for healthcare providers to accurately diagnose endometriosis? What what was the experience like for you? I'll tell you, I remember, you know, I remember my experience like it was yesterday. And it was, it was because I'm a determined individual is mm. how I'm going to say it. Probably, some people say I'm a stubborn mule, mm, <laughs> and that's mm, fine. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I accept that, but I don't, I, if, if something doesn't sit right with me, I will continue to go and seek the answers until something makes logical sense yeah. and I can do something about it. So, that's right. 
For me, I went to uh, a GP first who then referred me to a gynecologist. The first gynecologist uh, wanted me to do a series of tests but was uh, asking me, like, was not even entertaining or giving me sort of an indication as to what it could be, you mm. know, like, because mm, mm. there's not just endometriosis, there's polycystic ovaries, there's so many other things that it could be. Um, and so I wasn't too impressed with the outcome of that. And uh, in the end, I did my own research and I found a, a gynecologist who specialised in endometriosis. And I, and I did my research on my symptoms myself and I filtered out. Now, this is a disclaimer for people. If you can't use the internet to filter through and get the proper information, mm, mm. do not walk diagnosed. Because it can look, impact your mental health if you're researching. Exactly. You could end up uh, seeing something that's correlated with cancer. God knows, exactly. you know, like something like that can really that's play right. with your emotions. So I always have that disclaimer that if you are not sure how to filter through the, the information mm. on the internet, then don't look it up. But, I mean, for me, I did. And then I was able to determine that what I had was either endometriosis or polycystic ovaries. Mm. And so what I did then, like, even though I had that suspicion, I don't self-diagnose and go accordingly. So I just, I emailed this uh, this gynecologist and I said, uh, gave them my story so that they could actually read it and listen. Mm. And, uh, you know, he told me come straight in for a consultation and within a couple of days I was on the operating table. That was my first of, I think, I lost count. I think I've done about 12 surgeries for this. Wow, 12 surgeries. of about 12 surgeries, yeah. And it would just, it would just grow, like, he, he confirmed it through the laparoscopy. And the laparoscopy is, is basically a diagnostic method mm. and the most accurate diagnostic method. So a lot of people will be sent to do maybe like uh, ultrasound in most cases or potentially even an x-ray. They don't necessarily show the endometriosis in mm. those methods because they could be hidden and that was the case with me. Mm. Mine was mine was hidden like behind my bowel and they they always had to cut wow. my bowel and find it then put it back in its spot so everything would move as well internally mm. Mm. Uh, from then on for me there were treatment options with the medication but unfortunately it would just grow back every single year for a good 10 years is that uh, the case for is that the case for most women that it just keeps coming back even if they do the surgery uh, not or necessarily. Mm. yeah not necessarily so some women they only need that one surgery and it goes away mm. or the medication works with their body uh, because 12 uh, surgeries in a span of how many years was that 10 years uh, I would say yeah look uh, collectively for a good for a good eight years it was one every year, and I think on in one of those years it was twice in that year. But that really takes a toll on your body, and, and physically uh, and mentally, especially if you have exactly. children, it's hard to manage exactly. something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's um, basically, for me, I just, uh, I mean, I, I've walked through all the treatment options in the sense of like, okay, they would try the pill first, 
that didn't work. Then then they tried the Depo Provera. The Depo Provera was for me the most uh, effective in the sense of just putting it to sleep, and it and it prolonged it coming back. You know, for mm. that year, mm-hmm. but. Again, everyone is different and responds differently to medication. So, um, when I when I gave birth, it sort of was at bay for a little while, mm. but then it popped up again, uh, maybe a couple of years after my son, mm. and then again after my daughters, uh, and and then it became that look, I've exhausted all all options, and nothing seems to be working. So I had to then be on a pain management. Plan. Uh, plan mm. the so it's um, it is it does take its toll because you're trying to you know no one wants to be in pain no one Absolutely. wants to be in agony twenty four seven and uh, that's sort of what my life became like it became uh, you know every single day yeah. there was no more cycles it was just daily daily pain and it could have been like a sciatica type of pain mm. uh, it could have been contraction type of pain uh, it, yeah it just I can't imagine I guess how debilitating that would have been for you to experience such crippling pain so it mm. must have been very hard for you to manage those symptoms I mentioned to one person the video that you posted on Instagram yep. explaining endometriosis and the kind of pain that you are in and how you would compare it to. And you mentioned that you would easily compare it to childbirth or labor. Yes. Obviously, after having children, you were able to compare it to active labor. Yes. Um, and you have a high yes. pain tolerance, right? Yes, I do. So it takes me a very long time to, like, if I say that I'm in pain, it means, like, uh, you know, my body is starting to physiologically mm. respond to the pain. So the sweats and the shakes and the, mm. you know, all... Hot like, flushes. All that that you, mm. Yeah. Um, mm. And, yeah, it, look, I, I used to say that before even I gave birth, but then I had to stop myself because I was like, look, I haven't gone through a childbirth to know. Mm. But then after being in uh, active labor with my son... Um, I could easily then say yes. I could compare it to that um, on some, uh, like on you know half the occasions at least, and then on others it was just this like really intense background pain that was just there, mm. and you couldn't like there were times where I was hanging off my kitchen bench, you know, just just to try and breathe through it. And mm. try and get it uh, to to a level where it was, you know, nice bearable. And <laughs> bearable. Mm. <laughs> bearable. Um, I don't think there's anything nice about the pain that you experience. I don't think there was a moment yeah. of relief for you. Any, I was going to say anything anything above what I was experiencing was nice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. It just uh, gives so, us a sense of perspective about uh, you were experiencing ten out of ten or ten pain, and yeah. then to experience nine is better than yeah. obviously 10 and it's relief <laughs> ironically speaking yeah. so it definitely had a lot of impact on your day-to-day activities were you like yeah. at that time maybe studying did it really impact your social life did it impact your relationship what kind of impacts did it have on your day-to-day activities even being or having that time for your children were you able to spare yeah. time for your children so I think I, I, I think I can speak for most 
women when I say this, and that's, um, or I'm going to say a lot of women, uh, when you're a parent and you're suffering with any type of condition, mm. you kind of find a new level of perseverance and you find a new level of just get through the pain or get through whatever it is that you're going through uh, because your kids need you. Mm. Uh, that was me most of the time and it wasn't until, you know, the kids would go to bed, for example, that then I would take the pain relief, you know, to sort of yeah. help me because it was, it was full on. You try, you try and make it, you try and not let it consume your life, but you try and live with it and, and make it work mm. as best as you can. And look, in the end, my, what I encourage people to do is always keep an open dialogue with your doctor, whether mm. it's your GP or gynecologist, because at any time they will step in and they will say, right, mm. you can have, you know, you can go on this uh, sort of pain meds or, you know, some people like to take the natural uh, uh, avenue and there's now, I think, I think now sort of there's been a bit of research around uh, acupuncture and, yeah. and endometriosis and, and its effects and things like that. I just look at people, I'm no doctor, and that's why I recommend going to a doctor, but I look at and I say, whatever works for your body, because everyone's different, mm. you know, under doctor's supervision, go for it, because you need to function during the day, and no one wants to be living in, like, with chronic pain mm. uh, almost daily and try and, and try and still, you know, hold down a job or or still, you know, look after kids and, and whatnot. So That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's why it's really important, as you said, to maintain that open dialogue with your GP or your health professional because it does take, as yeah. I said before, um, a lot of trial and error and it can be a very intimidating experience trying to manage your condition. So it's easy for people to feel lost when they're navigating their options. And there, as you said, there are many options available um, you know, surgery, you've got even the natural path um, and yeah. what might work for someone might not work for someone else. So trying to find out or work out what helps mitigate those flare-ups and uh, what treatment paths uh, are available, it's all about trying and, you know, as you said, there's no cure, but there are treatment options, there are ways of trying to manage the condition and obviously when you're in that level of pain you have to find a solution to try to manage your condition because it's not something exactly. you can easily live with yeah exactly and look being now part of endometriosis australia mm. um i feel privileged and honored uh, to be somewhat i'm not going to say the spokesperson but somewhat yeah. a spokesperson for uh, our middle eastern and muslim communities Mm. where people do find it, especially women, find it difficult to talk about these things. But um, I do just want to touch on, uh, you know, on on the work that they do. And Endometriosis Australia is there to sort of uh, advocate, to push it through Parliament, to try and get funding for research so that there's more... Uh, you know, more can be done in this. They can then find out what the causes is because they don't even know what the causes are. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's something that obviously, like any other illness, needs to be determined mm. in order to find, okay, what's a potential treatment plan or what's a potential cure. So um, 
there is there is a research that's currently being done uh, at university, and I'm in I'm in talks with the uni, and they are aiming. They would love, and I'm putting a little call out here. So mm. I'm sorry, I'm overtaking it. With that just for uh, Middle Eastern women yeah. who suffer from endometriosis, if they'll take like an anon- anonymous survey yeah. about it now. I'm more than happy if people want to direct message me on Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. about uh, joining, and I'll be happy to link them. But anyone who's listening, if you want to be uh, just have your say about your experience, it, mm. it will be anonymous, but I would r- highly recommend, because uh, this research that's being done at the moment is actually being done in specifically for Middle Eastern okay, community. Okay. Well, There's I'm lack of information, lack of awareness and misinformation about this condition that exists out there. Yeah. And it can be a very isolating experience for women in our community who feel misunderstood, who feel like they're not being heard. So this is their opportunity, their key to finding the cause and finding more information and finding solutions out there that can help women with endometriosis. And the more people you can reach, hopefully the more women will be able to get treatment earlier. Yeah, exactly. So I, I do encourage everyone to jump on board. There's also like this in, in, in March, it's, it's what's called Endo March now. Mm-hmm. So this, this month is all about raising awareness on this condition. And um, we're all doing our bit sort of to, to raise that awareness as I am now. Uh, and there is an upcoming symposium as well through Endometriosis Australia. So that's, uh, people can join in and they can sort of uh, ask uh, experts who are on the panel questions that they may have. What I encourage everyone to do is go to Endometriosis Australia's uh, either website or social media handles mm. and give them a follow, join that symposium. It is beneficial and if you are suspecting you may have endometriosis or you do have it and you're not sure what it's about, the, these are the forums for it because they you've got a panel of experts, mm. uh, professors, doctors who who can articulate the information a lot clearer. I mean, I'm no doctor, but this is based purely on my research. Well, the amount of so research that you did, you can be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can, yeah, you can. Like, I mean, in the end, you you get to know what you're what you're dealing with, exactly. Just so that you can make you can live with it. That's um, right. That's right. And that's, yeah, that's what I'd encourage everyone to do. And you found a lot of solidarity in using your online space to talk to other women who have endometriosis, which I'm sure really helped you realize that you aren't alone and other women who have seen your posts about your condition realize they aren't alone and you have built up a pretty fantastic network of women on social media now who can exchange information with you who can ask for advice so it's obvious that it's important for you to help others realize that they aren't alone in this and that's why as you said we do encourage women who suffer or suspect that they might suffer from endometriosis to not give up and to keep searching for help. It was surely a long and debilitating road for you, but you got there at the end. And so I really admire your strength and your courage 
and I do wish the best for you and for whatever you've planned that's ahead of you. Thank you so much, Huda, for taking the time to share your experience of endometriosis with us today. It was a pleasure having you on Tour FM. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Welcome back to Keeping Up with The Current on 92.1 FM Muslim Community Radio. It's Nadia with you. A big thank you to Huda, former MasterChef Australia contestant, for talking about her painful journey of endometriosis. Look, if I can be quite honest, I wasn't aware of endometriosis prior to learning about it from Huda on her Insta page. She briefly spoke about the condition to her followers, the condition of endometriosis that she has had to battle for many, many years. So Huda is very, very passionate about increasing awareness about her condition. She's been doing that especially through her social media platforms in order to generate a safe space for women to connect and share knowledge about endometriosis. So she's combined the info that she's gathered from her specialists, latest research, and of course, by sharing her own personal experience to provide reliable info for those seeking treatment for endometriosis. And as we discussed, one of the main issues is that there is this normalization of menstrual pain, especially among Middle Eastern migrant and refugee women. When they talk to someone about the pain that they are experiencing, no matter the level, they're told it's normal and it's just related to their periods. And this was the advice that was given by undereducated general practitioners back in the 1990s. Women back then were told to go home to rest and just don't worry. It's all completely normal for young women to feel this way. So for decades, women's health wasn't taken as seriously as it is today. Their symptoms weren't being taken seriously and doctors didn't even consider endometriosis to be an official diagnosis. So because of this, women were forced to just deal with the pain. And what that led to was the delay in a diagnosis. And when I say delay, I'm talking years and years and years, as was the case for Huda, who from the age of 12 to the age of 19, she was just putting up with the pain. So it took seven years for her to be officially diagnosed with endometriosis. It's tough. It's seriously tough. And that's the thing. When it comes to illness, it can be hard to explain and comprehend, especially when the problem can't be seen with the eye. 
And it's unlike a broken leg or arm, something that you can see with your eye. But when the sickness is considered taboo or embarrassing, it makes it more difficult to have an open conversation. And this generates a barrier for women to access the right health care that they need to, to treat this chronic pain condition, which is why there is a lot of emphasis on uh, the importance of education and access to information, giving women that opportunity to be heard because they understand their body. They can tell when something is wrong, when something isn't normal. So blood clots the size of golf balls, the feeling of barbed wire ripping into your abdomen, an aching pelvis, debilitating back cramps, tumbling iron levels and blood in your stools are not symptoms of that time of the month. So if you feel that your doctor isn't taking your symptoms seriously, you can opt to see another doctor, see a specialist, get to the bottom of what you are experiencing. It can be a very, very long path to diagnosis if you don't fight for your health. So trust your gut instinct, speak to a medical professional with a deep understanding of endometriosis and always seek a second opinion if you're not feeling heard. Of course, by being open about symptoms and diagnosis, Australian women will be able to better spot their own symptoms if they don't match up exactly to what the woman with endometriosis may experience. Endometriosis awareness takes place across the globe during the month of March with a mission to raise awareness of the condition. So if you want to find out more information about endometriosis, please visit Endometriosis Australia for more info. So if there wasn't anything that was clarified that you want to be or to have clarification for, of course, as I said, you can visit the Endometriosis Australia website. If you'd like to learn more about the disease and living with endometriosis, please do visit the website. And that's a wrap for the show today. It's been a pleasure hosting the show this afternoon. If you want to catch up on the previous episodes you've missed, head over to SoundCloud, type in Keeping Up with the Current in the search bar, and of course all the episodes you've missed will be there for you. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Insta. You'll be receiving daily 2MFM updates. I'll catch up with you next time. Please take care.